Greetings in the precious name of Jesus. And it's a privilege for us to be here. Usually my wife's with me, so I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit alone. But uh, Lord willing, she will join us on Wednesday of this week. Um, appreciate it so much, just the singing tonight, the uh, comments that were made. Uh, and I would just say that it's our desire as we're here to simply be servants of the Lord and also to be your servants, to be available to you. Um, with all the challenges of church life, I love the church. I think of that song, People of the Living God. I have sought the world around, paths of sin and sorrow trod, peace and comfort nowhere found. Now to you my spirit turns, turns a fugitive unblessed. Brethren, where your altar burns, oh, receive me into rest. And I always love getting together with God's people, and I hope, I'm glad that it's a week long or close to a week, because I hope that through the course of the week, I will be able to get some names down, certainly some faces, and be able to interact with you in personal ways, just to be an encouragement and blessing uh, to you. And I just thank you for your prayers and urge you to continue praying uh, that the Lord would be able to move among us. I think each evening we'll start with an invitation for the Holy Spirit to be here among us. Uh, we know the enemy does not want us to hear truth. He does not want us to respond to the love of God. And so I'd like us to be singing that song prayerfully as we begin each evening. Come gracious spirit, heavenly dove, with light and comfort from above. And uh, as we sing that, you can be praying that the efforts of Satan will be diminished and kept under the blood of Christ. Come gracious spirit, heavenly dove, with light and comfort from above. The light of truth to 
For a theme, I'd like you to take your Bibles, go with me to Proverbs chapter 4. And I'd like you to think about these verses. It's interesting because I don't believe anyone knew what I was going to preach about or what my focus would be, but certainly the Lord knew. And Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 and I'd like us to quote these verses together, 23 through 27. If you'll help me uh, with these verses, let's say them together. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 to 27. Ready? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Some of us here know the sadness and destruction of not keeping our hearts above all keeping. The impact of that on a person's life is so sad. And yet, so often I think it happens, and Satan knows how to somehow enter into our hearts. And so tonight for a message, turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 6, for a text. And you'll know this verse, but I'm going to take it in maybe perhaps just a bit of a different direction. The verse says this, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 
Revival starts with desire. Revival starts with a yearning in the heart. And all of us this evening know that desire, at least at some point or in some degree or other. In fact, I have concluded that everyone alive has a yearning in their hearts that though you may not see it, yet it is there. And each of us here tonight have yearnings and desires in our hearts. But for that to happen in my life and in your life this week, there needs to be something take place within each of our hearts. Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Then this question is asked, who can really know it? And sometimes I would suggest we don't even know our own heart. So there's a question, a couple questions that I want us to think about this week. The first one is this, what would it take to turn your heart? What would it take to turn your heart? I was teaching at SMBI. A young girl came to me there as a teacher and talked to me about her relationship with her father, which was a very tough relationship. So in the process of giving her counsel, I contacted her parents, and one day we met in her house. I'll never forget this. She was sitting on one side of the room. Her dad was sitting on the other side of the room. And so I said to the father, I just said, I'd like for her to share with you what's been happening in her life. And you know what? She couldn't bring herself to share what was happening. And so I began to share with the father what this girl was feeling in her relationship to her father. I'll never forget what happened. The father, who was a deacon, got out of his chair. He walked across the living room, and he stood in front of his daughter as she was sitting there. And the next thing that happened, she came out of that chair and just threw her arms around her dad, and they just cried together. The father had no idea what was happening in the life of his daughter. This verse says, and he shall turn the heart. How is your heart turned? What would it take to turn your heart, first of all, towards God, but secondly, towards family and towards your brother and sister in Christ? Such an important aspect of life is the turning of one's heart. You see, our hearts get hard. Our hearts get calloused. Our hearts get used to a certain way of living. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best way. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do a work. And I have a passion for children and for young people, and I've had so many young people tell me that and it just bothers me that at a stage when children should get the most benefit out of their families, 
That's when Satan has them separated from dad and mom. I've had guys tell me, I can't talk to my dad. And I ask the question, why not? Why can't our hearts be affected and turned to what's important? At 16, my dad and his father, my dad was the youngest, they had an intense conversation. It didn't go well. And out of frustration, my dad made up his mind that he would never talk to his father again unless he absolutely had to. What he didn't realize was that his father, at the same moment, made up his mind that he would not talk to my dad unless he absolutely had to. And they went months not speaking to each other except for just what was absolutely necessary. My dad says this, he says, when they came together and realized what had happened, he said there were a lot of tears that were shed. And my dad made a commitment that he would never quit talking. He would never quit trying to bridge relationships. What will it take this week for your heart to be turned? For my heart to be turned. The heart is the seat of one's affections. It's your love center. It's, it's where your emotions and your feelings reside. The heart is so important in the Christian life because God wants our hearts more than anything else. If he doesn't have our hearts, he really doesn't have us. And so, yes, I like that. I told the children, I said, you know what, children? Someday, this is exciting to me, someday you're going to hear God speak. For our oldest son, it was at SMBI. I'll never forget the night. I came back to the trailer where we were staying, and Ellie said, Dave, your son needs to talk to you. <laughs> what a joy. I said, someday you're going to hear God speak, and when you hear God speak, just listen. Make sure you listen. God is a good God, and he wants to have your heart and my heart. So does God care about you tonight? Sure he does. Does he know your name? Yes, he does. Does he know your situation? He certainly does. Does he know what you're going through right now? Yes. Does he know the struggles of your heart? The longing and desires that you've had in your heart that have not been realized, and yet you desire it so much. It's a little bit like a dog with a piece of meat. And I've seen many Christians like this. If you have a pet dog and you hand him a piece of meat, and about the time he's grabbing it, you pull it away. And you put it out there again, and then you pull it away. Put it out there again and pull it away. Guess what? After a while, the dog despairs of getting that juicy piece of meat. There are a lot of Christians who long for things and they look around and they say, well, it seems to work for them. It seems to work for her. But why doesn't it work for me? 
Of course, you've never experienced that, but I have. And I know, and you know, Satan wants you in those moments to throw in the towel and to say, forget it. It's not worth it. You'll never be a good Christian. You'll never be able to make it work. And my counsel and advice is, guess what? Keep on knocking. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking because I can tell you, your God loves you so much. He's going to be faithful to come to you. I know that from both experience and from the word of God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And notice, if any man, any person, any girl will open the door, I will come in and sup with them and they with me. So I ask you, do you like where you are tonight? Everything good? <laughs> Everything the way you want it to be? Well, our text would indicate that there's a need in all of us to have our hearts turned. By the way, that's not just for you. That's for Brother Dave standing up here. God wants to turn my heart this week, and he's going to use you in the process of turning my heart. That phrase is an interesting phrase. What? It's kind of a word picture, a turned heart. It's thought-provoking. It has the idea of a transformation or an experience that brings blessing into a person's life. But I would say too many times, and here's the question, too many times our hearts aren't turned. And the question is, why, why is it so hard for our hearts to be turned? Why is it so hard? for our hearts to be turned. What keeps us from having our hearts turned? It should be a given. It should be easy. Why does a father and a mother, a husband and a wife, and a son or a daughter struggle with a turning heart? Why do apologies go unspoken? Why do hurts go unresolved? Why does sin go unconfessed? And why do conflicts go unreconciled? So let me read, beginning at verse 3 of chapter, or chapter 3, verse 13, this passage. Malachi, chapter 3. You, got, you have just an interesting thing happening here that I think is important. It says, God speaking, your words have been stout against me. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept this ordinance and have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we call the proud happy. They that work wickedness are set up. Yea, yea, that tempt God are even delivered. Notice verse 16. And I just love this. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. 
and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord, in the day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. For behold, and listen, we all know this, but behold the day cometh. Children used to say to me, well, Dad, everyone else is doing it. <laughs> you never heard that as parents, did you? But you know what? One day, every one of us will stand before God ourselves and will not be able to stand there and say, well, so-and-so did such-and-such. The question will be, but what did you do? What was your response? All the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord, it shall leave neither root nor branches. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, whom I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah. By the way, it's, a, it's a, uh, an act of God's mercy to send prophets among his people. It's an act of God's mercy to bring truth to our hearts. It says, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. What you really have here is the passionate desire of God for each one of us sitting here tonight. God really do, see, it's, God really does love you. It's Satan that makes you believe that God's against you or that God has it in for you. The opposite is true. And these people had their complaints. Does God really love us? They had their questions and they voiced them. How have we despised your name, they said. And talk about resistance. These people experienced it. They profaned the offerings and, and offered the blind and the main. And these people struggled in their relationships with God and with each other. In the middle of all that, you have this little oasis. And this is why I love church so much. Do you realize, I think a lot of us don't realize what we have. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, the Lord hearkened and heard it. You know that God sees and knows your heart's desire. He sees your interaction with God's people. He sees your desire for church. 
He sees your desire to hear his word, and God pays attention to that. And it says, a book of remembrance is written for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And then it says, and they shall be mine. I think of that song as a boy going, when he cometh, when he cometh to make up his jewels. Isn't that neat? Like the stars of the morning. One day, all of the trials and things that you've gone through because you're a Christian are going to be wrapped up in an eternity of bliss and joy. What a tremendous blessing that is. So, what keeps the heart from turning? Quickly tonight, four things. You know what keeps the heart from turning? Pride. An unturned heart is a proud heart. It's one that refuses to back down. It refuses to say I was wrong and I'm sorry. An un, a proud heart refuses to reach out to children and refuses to turn towards parents. Refuses to turn towards good relationships. An unturned heart is a proud heart. Two brothers, they were not blood brothers, they were two brothers in the church, got into a disagreement. I was a young fellow at the time. We got together at church to try to fix things. You know, you have to fix things sometimes, or at least try. And the one man got down on his knees in confession, and the other fellow would not accept it. And I can still see him, because this is what he said. I don't have to put up with this. And he walked out. We spent a good part of the night praying. I'm saying to us, an unturned heart is a heart that's proud, refuses to humble itself. An unturned heart is an unrepentant heart. Dave Gibbs used to say, how good of a repenter are you? And we struggle with this. And the best example I could think of was a man from our church who was the son of an evangelist. He's gone now, but he has been such a blessing to me. But he rebelled against church and home and lived a life of sin. He married a girl from Smyrna, Delaware, met her just at a diner. She was Catholic. He told me one time, he said, Dave, I want to tell you something. You not only reap the wind, you reap the whirlwind. But I remember something about that man that changed his life. It was Easter Sunday morning, 1959. I was all of five years old. And that Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, this man got up in front of our church, and I can still see in my mind's eyes his weeping as he recommitted his life to Christ. And he never looked back after that. His son's a Catholic priest. I did the service with his son. That was an interesting service, a Mennonite preacher and a Catholic priest doing the same service. But I'll tell you something. 
that man knew what repentance was. And I'll never forget the brokenness of his heart. An unrepentant heart is an unturned heart. An unturned heart is a fighting, restless heart. I'm going to have my way. <laughs> you know, this isn't funny. It really is not. But did you know that the rebellious dwell in the dry land? It is so. First grade, second grade, we were at school. Guy got called out on first base. He didn't think he was out, right? You know what he did? He went and plopped down between first base and home plate. He said, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm not going to play. <laughs> the rest of us played the rest of recess, and he sat there. You know what, the rebellion, I'll have my way even if it kills me. Guess what? It does kill people to have their own way. The rebellious, the Bible says, dwell in a dry land. And one of the mysteries of my journey of faith is I don't understand. I just don't understand why young people would sacrifice relationships with mom and dad and with the church just to get their own way. And I'll tell you something. Over and over again, you'll find they're not happy. They're not happy. Relationships are so important. Down in, makes me think of Kentucky. Wesley Stolz, who was there for meetings, and he's got a southern accent. He and his wife, they were a delight. He's going on to be with the Lord, but sometimes he would say something, and she would look at him and say, those are fattened words. <laughs> Had that accent. Fattened words. Those are fighting words. <laughs> Of course, you don't fight, but, you know, a restless heart, a heart that's unrepentant, that's unturned, fights. Yeah. It's like the little boy in, in, in my Sunday school class who was messing around at Christmas caroling, and he wasn't behaving, so I went up as a concerned Sunday school teacher, and he looked at me, and he said, I got a knife. <laughs> I don't know what he thought he was going to do with it. You know the sad thing about that same boy? At about 21, after drinking, he and his friends struck a tree. And this young man has been paralyzed from the chest down ever since. And he loved to run. Oh, we were at, we were at, uh, I took him to uh, Southern Lancaster County uh, at State Park. Come on. It's, it's bad when you get old. You can't think of things. Uh, they chase deer all day long. Man, they just love deer, you know. And my wife could help me. She were here, but she's not here. So. Towards the river there. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes. Yes, Muddy Run. <laughs> you got it. Muddy Run. They got, they got deer there, and... I couldn't believe it. All I had to do was turn my boys loose there. And boy, they had a day of it. I mean, there were deer and they were just going for it, you know. <laughs> but today he sits in a wheelchair and has to have his everything done for him. What's it worth to have your own way? And the last thing is a 
unturned heart is an unsurrendered heart. I think of Steve Pickett with one eye. He, I remember at convention. He had his phrase, and I can't He'd say, just let it go. You know what? People find it hard to let things go. People will hold grudges for years. People will go through life with a chip on their shoulder because they can't come to a place where they're willing to let it go. You can't control people. You can't control all the circumstances of your life. Somehow a person has to come to a place of being willing to let things go, to surrender, to forgive, to lay it down. So we're reminded that there's a day coming. It's called the day of the Lord. Are we ready for that day? Have we made preparation for that day? Do we live with the awareness of that day? Why should we? You know why? Because in that day, many will burn as in an oven. The proud will become like stubble. Neither root nor branch will survive. Unturned hearts will be reduced to ashes and there will be a clear division between the righteous and the wicked. May I encourage us tonight, people, this week, to allow God to turn our hearts. It's a good thing. Remember this guy in high school. He was one year older than I. He was small and fast, and I was big and clumsy. And he loved to run circles around me. And one day on the playground, he grabbed me and lit. He was pretty strong. He grabbed me and almost turned me upside down. You know, I didn't have good feelings towards that guy. I'll tell you what. I didn't really like being around him. You know what happened? And this is what I'm talking about, a turned heart. One morning I came to school and I went into the restroom like normal. He followed me in there. And then he said this. He said, Dave, I'm so sorry for the way I've been treating you. That's all, that's all he said. How do you think I felt towards him? <laughs> do you see what happens when hearts are... I think, I get this picture. He shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Wow. What a beautiful picture. Young person, hear me well. Be patient with mom and dad. They'll grow up someday. Walter Wilson says a high school senior, and I know what this is like, a high school senior is someone who knows everything there is to know, and they know they know it.
My dad recently, he's 90 years old. He and my mom are celebrating 70 years of marriage this Christmas. And I, let me just tell you, it wasn't all roses with my dad. My dad really struggled as a young man and in his early marriage. But when he went into the hospital some time ago and I got the news and I thought about the fact that he might die, you know what? I was thinking about that and all, I was like, you know what? There was peace. You know why? There is nothing between my dad and I. He's still my best friend. He's, the, he's praying for these services this week, diligently, I can tell you. Would I sacrifice that? No, I would. You understand? Are you hearing me? I know you are. <laughs> well, God needs to turn our hearts over and over again. And I pray that your hearts and my heart will be turned this week. Let's stand together for a closing prayer. Father, we are so dependent on you. You're the one who has created us. You've given us life. You've given us the personality and gifts. And Lord, we confess tonight again that so often we find it hard to follow your paths and to walk in your ways and to allow your work to be accomplished in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would help us to learn how to keep our hearts above all keeping to keep them for you and for each other in ways that build and not tear down. I pray for every family here, for every son and daughter, for every parent. I pray for every brother and sister. And I just pray that you would be able to accomplish your work in each of our lives for your glory. Lord, we pray against the work of Satan who tries to take away your word and to destroy its effectiveness in our lives and give us courage and strength to follow your paths. We pray now that you would dismiss us with your blessing. May your grace, mercy, and peace go with each one, for we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.